1: Learn more at marines.com.
2: Hello there, I'm Tony Gow, and you are listening to We
3: Are West Ham Podcast.
2: You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, James Jones and Tom Edwards. And I'm pleased to say, since first time since the 7th of March, football is back. West Ham face Wolverhampton Wanderers on Saturday night, 5.30 at the London Stadium. No fans will be there. Whether or not that will do West Ham a favour or not is, is yet to be seen. Still in a relegation battle, but at last we on the West Ham on the We Are West Ham podcast and football fans further afield have got some actual, real life, proper football to talk about. In this episode, we'll speak to West Ham London Stadium DJ Russ Budden and face of the My Hammers Eleven YouTube. We've got Sam on from the Wolves 77 Club podcast for the opposition view, and of course, we'll speak to Tom and James get their thoughts on football's return and one final. Final mystery players quiz in the very up end segment. Tom, nice you to join us on time this week. How's everyone keeping?
4: Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Just about seven minutes late this time. So uh, working there, working my way down.
2: You're getting uh, getting loads better, Jonesy. How are you?
3: Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Yeah.
4: So. Are you
2: excited?
3: Um. Do you know what? For, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was going. I don't really miss football. I don't miss football. Um. Now I know it's within what hours away. Um, mm. see the Wednesday night fixture I've now realised how much I miss it and knowing that every single game is going to be on TV in one way or another on whatever channel um, I'm now very very excited I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit giddy
4: Chaps.
2: <laughs> well it Fun took bit, a while, yeah. didn't it? Charlie, uh before we had to bid an emotional farewell to Charlie. He was giving you stick most weeks about the fact that you saying that you hadn't missed football. And I yeah. did quietly, of course, I did agree with you, but um now it's back you're feeling a little bit more a little bit more up for it.
3: Yeah, I just you know, I, I think it was just, you know, the whole season was just a typical West Ham season. It just gets boring after what, twenty five years of supporting the club or whatever it is, twenty, thirty years, and i just know well. Um, it's actually quite nice not to worry about having to be annoyed on a Saturday night after We've lost to Brighton or something ridiculous like that. Um, so i was quite enjoying the 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 quiet and the and the, the, the free time that we have without having to worry. Um, but now I'm looking forward to being to moaning again every every Saturday.
2: <laughs> yeah, so you're still in uh, that school of thought, Tom. Are you? We'll get onto it a bit more later on. But are, are you? Do you feel the same as James, or are you just worried because I think? What the one thing we do forget, it wasn't exactly, James has sort of probably done it a little bit of a disservice there. Saying it wasn't, it was, we were moaning, it wasn't too much of a positive season. Thousands of fans protesting against the board. We are in a relegation battle again, even though we're 16th. Are you, you sort of managed to erase all those negative feelings and looking forward to footy, or are you a bit worried it's going to be? I think before,
4: before this week started, I was sort of really excited for it and I was thinking, yeah, it's back. We needed this. Excellent. Got something to look forward to on the Saturdays. But the more I look at the table, the more the fixtures, the worry comes. But still, I think it's just good to have it back to have something to look forward to. Like Jonesy said, it feels weird not having something to moan about on the Saturday and Sundays. So it's good to have that back bit of routine again. But no, I just think I think it. We all need it. I think we all need it. Sport needs it. The world needs it. And uh, I'm looking forward to it, mate. Overriding force. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it.
2: Absolutely, we've seen it. Uh, seen it being rolled out fairly well in Germany. Obviously, they do have a, a track record of doing things. Generally, doing things better than us, as they did with battling the the virus as well. But we've seen it rolled out there. West Ham had a couple of warm up games and a couple of very sort of you know preseason friendly feels. We've had this chat on this show in last summer saying preseason doesn't matter. We beat QPR four one goals from Sebastian Allaire, Michael Antonio, Fornells, and Ieti, I think. There were some mixed uh, reports on those in the end, but I think those are the scorers. And then we beat Crystal Palace 2-1 the other day. And even in uh, pre-project restart return friendly, West Ham can't avoid controversy there. And Jeremy Ngakia, the man who seems set to walk away from the club in a huff because they won't pay him £20,000 a week, scores one of the goals from right back as we beat Palace 2-1. Could that be any more, West Ham? It's typical West Ham, isn't it?
3: Just on a two. As soon as we saw everyone saying, Oh, and Gakia scored, I mean, you just knew. Like, it was just, yeah, okay, that's obvious. We should have known that was going to happen. Like, I'm <laughs> yeah. surprised you didn't score. I'm surprised five you only got one. Yeah, in. yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's just typical us. And um, But that said, I think that the, the big positives, apart from you know the fact that we've won those two games, I don't know. I would have thought QPR and Palace would have put out relatively strong sides, given that, you know, they've still got seasons to play. Uh, well, Hugh Gill played for QPR, so. Maybe not then. Um, <laughs> so, um, but I think that one one of the big positives in Gaikia scoring in typical fashion aside, I think uh, uh, Sebastian Haller scoring in both mm. games I think was a, is a really big positive. Um, do, you know, has Moyes found a way of using him? Um, you know, we've been banging on for for weeks and months about not using him in uh, in the correct system, not playing to his strengths. Perhaps Moyes may have, have hit the sweet spot with that and maybe got him scoring again um, and it's nice to see a Yeti get off the, off, the, uh, off the mark if he has he might just before he changes. leaves just yeah. we'll count that towards his West Ham total even though it is a friendly just because he yeah, scored one goal for us he needs it the, uh,
2: the only worrying thing though James is I think the bit that you haven't heard about yet is all those Haller goals they're all in Gakier assists so he's, uh, <laughs> he's going to have his agent not now far. asking for 70 grand a week because not only is he excellent at the back he's also a demon going forward well Tom, one thing, obviously, I don't want to dwell on them too much because we've got actual Premier League football to talk about soon, which we will get on to. But one picture, a few images that did the rounds on Twitter was Declan Rice, who was pictured with the captain's armband on against Crystal Palace.
4: Mm.
2: Again, friendly warm-up game. Whether or not it matters, but as there's nothing been going on, fans were quick to to jump on board with that and try and see some significance in it. I don't think mm. Noble played, so it was obviously was a, it was very much a vice-captain role, but you, you sort you of see that as a big deal, or is it just uh, whatever, I don't care?
4: I mean, I know he's a young lad, but I think it would be the natural choice if Noble wasn't on the pitch. I feel like there's no one else who is elite. He's the most biggest leader in that team in terms of when we're playing. He's the one who carries the ball forward. He makes the challenges. He's probably the most vocal and he has the biggest impact on our side so I think it makes sense and it's good to see that maybe it's another way of keeping him there for a few years when Noble does hang him up and we give him the armband or whatever but look I also think the balance without Noble would make sense in that midfield if you had nows Susek and Rice so I think it's it'll be interesting to see because I'd, I'd be surprised if Noble actually would start the rest of these games because of the, the balance we can now have with Susek in there next to Rice instead of Noble.
2: I did have a, uh, I had an exchange on Twitter in the week, actually. Jonesy and I write for the Blowing Bubbles magazine. And in my column this month, I, I used that to to extol the virtues of, of Declan Rice getting a new contract and how the club should be acting, you know, similar sort of mm. content that we've discussed on, on the show the past few weeks. And a guy replied on Twitter and, and he just said, yeah, all of that's true and make him captain. And I went back and we had a little discussion. A little debate around it and I said you know is, is that is that just a pie in the sky because that was it he said he could be the next Moore and Bonds and I went blimey you know high praise indeed um I do fear that the days of of those long servers are are behind us now and I, I just wondered whether whether he's too young for it or does he need a more experienced head on his shoulders or do you look at the likes of Jack Grealish uh, Aston Villa where, yeah, he's one of the younger players, but he leads, by example, on the pitch, not necessarily off it, as we've seen during lockdown.
3: But is that the sort of captain Declan might be? I can I can see him being a, a very, very good captain. I think he's got that that maturity about him. I think being a regular in the first team for the last, what, two years, two and a bit years, I think he's, he's shown that maturity. He's grown as a player. You know, he had those comparisons with like the likes of Moore and, and Bond's, um, at the beginning of his, his career, when um, David Moyes famously pulled him out of the team after that mistake at, um, at Arsenal, and like publicly grilled him, uh, and you know everyone was going, "Oh, shouldn't Moyes have done it? Shouldn't he have done it?" And I think that those sort of situations and those sort of incidents has kind of helped him mature a little bit as a player. Um, and you see him well, when you watch him closely on the pitch. You know, he, you know, he's like a captain even if he hasn't got the armband on. You know, he's cheering the players up. He's, he's driving forward with the ball. Um, you know he's a great influence both on and off the pitch. So it does seem that, like, as Tom said, it does seem like the natural choice. Um, you know some people might point to the likes of a Bonner or even Fabianski, but um, I think Declan Rice is a natural choice. And I forget all of that. You know it could be the next Bobby Moore or, or Billy Buns or mm. um, or you know it's, it's a way of trying to keep him at the club. Like as you said, Will, those sort of players I think are, are you know a history in terms of you know players staying. For you know, for fifteen twenty years at one club, I don't think we're going to see that again. Um, it'd be great if Rice did stay, but I think regardless of all of that, I think it's just a natural choice for a captain. Um, so yeah, I think um, if it is if it is the case, then you know, brilliant. I think he's earned it as well. Absolutely. Well, I
2: think Wyatt, one step at a time on on that front, certainly. But yeah, I do think we'll, we'll see a bit less of Noble, but. Talking of that, that is what I want to get onto. to. We've got an actual Premier League game coming up Saturday night. I've just, I don't know, I'm, I'm hoping you to be pretty impressed by this. How's this for recce work before the podcast? This is, such is the quality of the content that we put out here on We Are West Ham, is that this morning, after I'd done all the running order and put the quiz together for you two later on, I jumped on my bike because I only live a stone's throw from the stadium and I did a little recce to see what the London Stadium looks like in preparation for the Wolves game. Now, James, you already look impressed with that, but when you get there, all it is is just another silver and grey load of barriers that they put up by the cow uh, in Westfield that means you can't get through to go to the pub. There's just loads and loads of them on all the bridges. It's not actually that exciting.
3: I was quite impressed with myself before and I've got back and all that's happened is I've got sweaty (laughs) on my bike before the podcast. The the only disappointment I've got with that is it didn't go on your rollerblades instead, mate. I'd have still,
2: I'd have still been out there, mate. And I left at 11 (laughs) o'clock this morning. (laughs) But let's let's move on to the actual football the uh, the exterior of the stadium not quite as exciting as uh, as I perhaps hoped but tom we'll talk about what's going on inside the ground at london stadium on saturday night i think the main thing and we have to get back in the swing of talking about actual football matches again here on the podcast mm. but what the starting 11 is one thing that's probably going to have most people thinking do you, is it one of those where you think it just picks yourself? Or well, tell me, what, who, who would you be lining yeah, up with?
4: I think um, I think the last two games would have been pretty, they would have been quite revealing for Moyes probably. And I think he would have taken a lot from them because like we've mentioned leading up to this week, that players would have come back in different fitnesses. People probably react differently to having a the crowd there or not. And they would have shown that as much in the first two games we played in, in this sort of like mini restart friendlies. And I think he would have probably taken quite a lot from that. We've obviously got the issue at right back, and I think that's, that's the main, main one for me is who do we start there. It's sort of a toss-up between Johnson, uh, Zabaleta can't for me. It's probably for me between Fredericks and Johnson with Ngakia is uh, going to leave on the 30th of June. So to be honest with you, I think that's the main one for me. I think the rest of the team, I think by the Arsenal game before this all happened, we sort of had an idea of what our starting eleven was, and I think I'd go for the bulk of that really, with the, just right back would be the only question mark I have.
2: Well, jo- Jonesy, on that, I'm, I'm assuming, Tom, that, j- just to reel him off quickly, you'd have Fabianski, mm. then uh, Cresswell, Diop, yep. Ogbonna, and then mm-hmm. right back of whatever, Suchek and Rice holding. Would you mm. have, are you having Fornells over I'm Manzzini? having Fornells
4: in, yeah. Yeah, I'm Anderson. and then Bowen. Haller and Bowen, Baller. Antonio, Haller. Antonio, you're having? Tough Anderson. Tough for Anderson, over oh, God, I'm with
2: you, Jonesy. What did you just? Before we move on and uh, speak to Russ Budden, what what are you saying on your eleven? Are you sort of there, thereabouts for me and Tom? Or
3: yeah, I think so. Um, I, I I would be surprised if um, if Anderson isn't in the starting eleven, but I, you know I wouldn't be that that annoyed if Antonio does start ahead of him. I think I think it's difficult. This this is probably the most difficult one to call because we don't hmm. know what state the players are in. Um, judging by those two friendly games, you know, they seem to be in good shape um, and whatever system Moyes has gone with seems to seems to have worked. It seems to be working at the moment. Um, and then you've got to factor in um, the fact that you know, there's five subs rather than seven. Is that going to change the way Moyes thinks about the game uh, for the 90 minutes? Um, so it's a different one to call in terms of starting 11. I don't think it'd be far off what you guys have said. Um, if anything, this is the most interesting game of all because mm. of what what precedes it, and and you know how a player is going to react with the uh, you know no, no fans in the stadium is that going to affect Moises' thinking and stuff like that? So I don't know. Uh, I think it won't be far off, but the right back situation uh, does worry me, and I wouldn't be surprised if Ngakia started to be honest. But why, I don't see anything wrong with that. I think starting, I think, A, if you take
2: away all the the hassle and the fuss that's gone on, he's the best right-back at the club anyway, probably, from what we've seen. You know, John may, or may not be there, thereabouts, but he hasn't had as much Prem minutes as Ngakir has. And people go, oh, yeah, but his head might be elsewhere. Well, no, he's still playing for a contract. He might have decided that he's walking away from West Ham. He's still playing for another club. If he comes on and plays the last, how many games he's got left up until the end of June, maybe three or four, and plays out of his skin, then he puts himself in a stronger position either with West Ham or with another club. So all we need at the moment is 11 players on the pitch putting in 10 out of 10 performances to keep us up. I don't think we, we can really afford to be taking the moral high ground with Ngakia. So I'll start him and then assuming you have four nails and Bowen as that one of those attacking three, I'm with Tom, I have Antonio over mm. Uh, Anderson probably, but I've seen a couple of nice sultry photos of Anderson on the West Ham Instagram during lockdown and since they returned to training so I reckon he'll be a shoo-in but look, we'll we'll cover that more, we'll cover the starting 11, we'll cover what we think, score predictions and predictions for the league, but first we'll talk to Stadium DJ and face of the West Ham My Hammers 11 on YouTube, Russ Budden next. (laughs) You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones and I'm delighted to say that we've been joined by none other than London Stadium DJ and the new face of the My Hammers 11 on YouTube, Russ Budden. Russ, thanks for joining us. How are no you? No
0: worries. Yeah, very well, Will. How are you, man? How's everyone?
2: Yeah, doing, uh, doing all right. Thanks. I think uh, speak for the lads as well. We we're just talking about our general excitement about some actual Premier League football games that matter that we've got, uh, got to talk about. I just did a little recce around the London Stadium on my bike. So I live nearby, expecting to see some, you know, big military style defences. And unfortunately, it's just another load of the grey gates that we see dotted around Westfield, <laughs> keeping fans out. So not too exciting. Russ, first of all, for, the, for those of our listeners who, who don't know what, you're, what, what you do already, like you say, you're the DJ at the London Stadium. Yep. Um. you have started the my hammers 11 YouTube recently as well. You've had some outstanding guests on already. Most, one of the most recent ones is a friend of our show, Tony Carr as well. Oh, and yeah. some interaction on Twitter from Rio Ferdinand and Anton Ferdinand. So it's all going pretty well. Tell us a little bit about, about sort of what you do in your West Ham links.
0: Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been, I've been the stadium oh, DJ, to put a bit of terms since uh, 2002. Um, so when we sort of moved to the, what was the Rio stand um i 've been doing it ever since, and so um so yeah, so basically you know it's that 's what I do, so i 'm the guy who presses the bubbles basically and in, in the music and I've done it for we try to figure it out when we move from the up from Upton Park, and I must have played it about a thousand times at least, and so uh, at least so it's uh you get quite used to the song, but uh you know yes, yeah, so that 's what i've been doing um and that 's sort of my sort of my my love my passion um it seems to get hold of it for many years before then. Um, and yeah, the whole, my hammers thing, my hammers 11 is literally just not come out of nowhere, but I just, uh, probably about four weeks ago, I was a bit bored and I thought, and I was, you know, when you just all spend Saturday, you, you've watched Netflix, you've watched Tiger King, there's nothing else to do. And so uh, I was going through Wikipedia and stuff and like you do, flick it through, and I saw something about West Ham, uh, about, uh, 2003, uh, West Ham did a, a survey, they interviewed 500 fans about who uh who was their dream 11 and um and i thought god okay looking through it, i haven't i saw maybe two or three of the players like live when i was around um and i thought you know what it's been 20 years it's been a hell of a lot of players who've left come back left again come back become managers of the club and coaches and things like that and i thought it'd be good to try and do that again um i'm when I'm not doing West Ham, I'm a market research, uh, I work, work for market research companies, So things like surveys and stuff I've always been interested in. Um, and I thought, yeah, bugger it, let's have a go. And so I started, I started the, the channel and it just went massively. I mean, big, big props uh, to Baz. Baz Cox was the first guy on. Um, and ever since then, it's been brilliant. And it just shows, you know, everyone talks about the West Ham family, the West Ham community. And the whole channel is an epitomation of that. That's a word, um, in that, you know, I'll interview someone and they go, Oh, you need to talk to this bloke and this bloke and this bloke and this bloke. And the idea is, it's, you know, we've had, God, I think we've had about in three or four weeks, we've had like 65, 70 guests, something like that already. Um, and so it's going a bit mental, you know, and had like, and it's weird because it's like, although I've been in the club, working for the club for 20 years, I never really interact with the players much, um, particularly in London Stadium because we're up at the top in the white box at the top of the stadium. So, you know, having, I said, you said, I mean, speaking to like Tony Carr and, and and Tony Gale, I mean, I got starstruck talking to Pete Butler because he was like, Peter Butler was the first player I ever met um, at a Junior Hammer's birthday party at the old ground. And so it's just incredible. It's like, really is, you know, and it's like, I mean, today I've I posted, um, I've got, I, on a Tuesday I tend to do two ex-players um, and I've posted Frank McAvenny and I'm about to post someone else very close to Frank back um in about a couple of hours time so you know and it's, it's just mental um and, and it's great and everyone's and it's really nice and it's community i'm getting a real uh, appreciation of of west ham fans outside of outside of the uk as well so the the american guys they're nutters they're fanatics um germans and the scandinavian hammers are fantastic you know and i moan about having to get you know a rail replacement bus from Gideo Park or having to drive to Newby park station um these guys are getting up at five o'clock in the morning and flying in from Oslo, and we you know we usually don't win and so they're still doing it and so uh it's absolutely brilliant and uh yeah, obviously again I put load of you guys on as well and uh yeah i mean i'm I've made some fantastic friends now really, who I never really spoke to spoken to I wouldn't have spoken to at all um I've been invited to uh to a zoom Watch along on Saturday um, with a bunch of the a bunch of boys, but obviously I'll be there. I'll be at the stadium, um, but I might still dial in and g- g- give my thoughts over Zoom to them all. Um, I'll probably be the only YouTuber who's got a- inside access to the stadium as well, so yeah. uh, might try and do a few bids as well inside. But um, it's just been brilliant. It's been absolutely mental, and obviously chatting to you guys and I did the Stop Hammer Time podcast and various others, and I can't thank everyone enough. You know, everyone's been so generous with their time. Uh, and also their contacts. So, you know, obviously talking to a lot of the West End Twitter and getting them on board mm. means that uh, uh, lots of names and numbers have been sent my way. And I, I appreciate that. I won't say who's because a lot of people pestering them, but uh, it's been uh, appreciative of, of all the effort everyone's, uh, everyone's given me. So I really. Russ.
4: Russ, what I absolutely loved. I watched the Tony Carr one last night. It was, it was brilliant. Really, really interesting stories you got out of him. It, it, and hearing people's reasons why they pick people is is what is brilliant about it. And his Anton Ferdinand selection sort of really, it sort of surprised me not that Anton was a great footballer or whatever, but just the fact that all the players he brought through, that he picked Anton Ferdinand. Have you... What has been sort of the team selection which has sort of thrown you off the most, or surprised you, or you sort of not yeah. understood coming?
0: Yeah, no, I mean obviously the, the whole because I put a caveat on it. They have to be alive to have seen them play. It means you do get quite a lot of differences because obviously all of us, if you put your, your West Ham Dream Eleven, would been Bobby Moore, would be Jeff P, Pe- yeah, Jeff Peters, mm. Martin Peters, Jeff first. Um, but I, we never any of us looking at all of you on your zooms. None of us are old enough to see them play, uh, unless you've had some really good plastic surgery. Um, <laughs> and, and so and so. Yeah, I mean, some of them. I mean, I I love guys like um, there's Charlie Walsh from Hammer's Chat. He did a fantastic one. Um, it's the reasonings that I love the most. Um, yeah, he had like Razvan Rats. In his team <laughs> because of the Christmas uh, catalog onesie photo of Adrian, um, and it, and it's it's just, as you said it's the stories. It's not necessarily that the football is secondary to all of this. It's the stories and the memories. You know, I ask people why they get into West Ham. Some of them, particularly sort of the the, the more experienced fans, I don't say older fans, the more experienced fans, you know, they working on the stalls and the stall next to him was Frank Lampard's stall or Harry Redknapp's stall or and there's players I didn't even know about. You know, and I felt a bit. A bit sort of uh, unappreciative of, and particularly now if it's going on, people like John Charles, you know, the first first black player at West Ham, and and Clyde Best, and people like that. who I never knew about their story as much, and so I've actually gone back and learnt a lot more about it. So it's really broadened my horizons. But yeah, there's a few funny ones. There's a few funny ones. I like it when the people have a theme. So we've had like themes like um, Phil Wheelands for Stop Hammer Time had a theme about. Um, it was West Ham eleven and EU eleven, and obviously the UK is not in EU, um, so it couldn't include any any English players or Scottish players. And so it had uh, Vladimir Labant and people like that, and brilliant, absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Loved it,
3: Russ. I love your, um, I love what you're saying about you know you do it because of the community, and you know you love to hear the stories. And I mean that's part of the reason why why we do this podcast is not just because you know we like talking about West Ham, but we like connecting with people like yourself and. You know, other fans, um, other content creators and stuff like that. Um, and I know you're quite early on in, in this journey of doing my Hammers 11 and the YouTube side of things and that, but I'm interested to sort of think uh, here whether you've got any plans to sort of take this beyond a My Hammers 11. Um, I don't know how you would do that, but having spoken to so many fans already, I mean, you said like 60-odd sixty odd people already in the space of like three or four weeks. How do you then expand that um, to, to, I don't know, I, it's, it's difficult to to rethink really on the spot. But it is. I mean, I mean kind of them becoming quite. I mean, it's it's a f- fantastic content, I love it. But yeah. without it, it being, being repetitive. quite repetitive, yeah, um, then you know there, there must be plans to then sort of like think right, right, what's the next content strand, and then build it even bigger.
0: Maybe. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I'm, I mean, as I said, at the moment, I've got this idea in my head and. You now i've spoken to people, about i want to hit 500 interviews now obviously i'm what i'm trying to do is is get a nice balance between well, not celebrities but you know sort of the, the players and the fans because it's it is about the community it is about the west ham fans community and it's and there's stories in there which you know, as I said, there's there's groups. You see these groups of people, and it's really nice to hear these groups. Um, and I, you know, to be honest, some of them send me ten, fifteen other people. So I'm pretty sure eventually I'll get five hundred. I know what you mean about being repetitive and and stuff. I think putting the caveat of um, I try and get a spread, so I don't have the same. Type of fans, and all the time, so yeah. yeah, you might get a couple from the 60s, and but I mean, then I'll interchange that with some players. I want to get a lot more celebrities on there as well, you know. And I think uh, that'll be fun. I mean, we had Chesney Hawks, which was it's just really <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear, because he was like, I was like, again, like random, like I saw him walking out of Upton Park once, and ever since then, I sort of thought, oh my god, Chesney Hawks. So, we had, and that, that's that's an area I want to get more into, um, because I think. Uh, you know, a lot of these fans. Are, you know, obviously, you don't. You want not know some of these. Know some of these fans themselves, and so you know, you won't necessarily watch the content. I'm not. Don't tell my what I'm not in for it but to make money out of it. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> although she's already bought the yacht, but um, yeah, no, it's it, it's more about that. I mean, you know, to be honest, the club have been really great about it. Um, I mean, you know, I, I'm obviously technically I, I work for the club, and um, so I've always been very, I've always, you know, I made sure that we don't sort of. It's all positive stories and stuff like that, and yeah, I let I let fans vent a little bit about the current team, or um, but it's about memories and stuff. I mean, you know, they've been good enough. Um, you know, I we could be some stuff with them going forward, um, maybe next season, uh, potentially. Um, as we've had a chat because you know they see it's it's a nice it's a nice idea. Um, maybe they would have of first but it, <laughs> it yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it doesn't matter you know it's, it's easy and so you know I'm I, I haven't really got any plans I mean you saw I'm doing this still during my during when I'm working you know I have a full-time job and stuff but um yeah no it's just and hopefully you know we we'll do some more stuff I might do some more obviously when we can record live outside and interviews I mean I've got loads of players lined up who didn't want to do zoom meetings um because they don't like looking at a blank screen or looking down and maybe looking up um, and some of the older players so I'd like to interview them Um, and then obviously the the more modern modern players you know the earlier sort of my era so it's just going to evolve and it's just you know it's come a thing and it's got bigger and bigger and as you said Anton and, and Rio like you know Love to get everyone. I think everyone's got to get Rio on on their on their podcast or their their video. But um, who knows? Who knows? You know, I'm I'm not sort of planning anything ahead. Um, I know people have made of of sort of come to me with, with ideas, and and we'll see. You know, it's 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 open brief. Um, it's it's just enjoying it at the moment, enjoying categorising those stories and their memories. Good stuff. Good stuff. For us, one one thing talking about looking forward to planning
2: ahead. We've got some actual football coming back yep. on Saturday. How are you? How are you feeling about obviously you're you're there every single home game. I've done. If you get to away games as well, it's going to be different. you will be one of few privileged few uh, inside yeah. the ground on the weekend. And
0: how what what are you feeling about Saturday particularly, and then the season as a whole? I'm I'm extremely confident. I'm probably one of the minority, but I honestly, it's like Do you have to you have say know, that. <laughs> no, 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 I, just, no yeah. I, I really am, you know, and it's like in, in, when you talk to. Um, a lot of the, you know, I was interviewed, obviously Kevin Keynes and, and Tony Garth and people like that. You know, coaches. You talk to them and they have a sort of a similar sort of view to me, which is great, which means obviously I'm not always talking rubbish. Um, but I mean, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, it's going to be different. Um, you know, I've 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 done a lot of the other 23 games there and there's only like 200 people, so I'm used to no, not having really any fans there. Um, but it's going to be weird. Um, but I think it's going to be good for us, and I think it's going to be weird. I don't, I wouldn't. You know, I'm not a gambling man at all, and I wouldn't put any bets on any football because I think for the next three or four weeks it's going to be everything to me up in the air. You know, people are going to go to City and, um, and Liverpool and, and, and Chelsea and, and feel like they're going to get something because there's no crowd. Um, and yeah, we've had a, you know, we, by all accounts, bar maybe a couple of knocks for fit squad. And I can't remember the last time that's happened for a long, so long, long time. So what?
2: What do we put you on the spot then? Also give us a score prediction for Saturday. Oh, we're then... probably, yeah, we're
0: going to win. We're going to win two 0 on Saturday. So yeah, yeah, love <laughs> yeah, sure.
4: that.
2: You've heard it here first, and we're yeah. saying so we're 16th at the moment. We're sort of still very much in that relegation battle. Mm. Where are you? Uh, where can you see us finishing at the end of the year?
0: Well, I think we're going to do alright. I, I think it's as I said, there's going to be some middle mid-table teams going to be dragged into this because, um, and the way all the games are being sort of scheduled, it's almost like we can see what everyone else has done. So, obviously, you've got Villa, Sheffield United. We can then see if be obviously if they win, we'll be at the, bo- the bottom. I think we end up finishing sort of comfortably. I reckon 13th, 14th. I reckon. Um, I think it's going to be. So I think it's all about camaraderie and, and team spirit. And clearly, by all accounts, there's you know Moisey's got a good, a good, uh, good bunch there. It seems, and it's a good, you know, with him and Kevin and and there They seem to be a good team team around things. But that's what you need now. It's unprecedented times, and I think um, I think Moisey's going to be being brilliant the whole thing. Absolutely brilliant the whole thing. <laughs> Well, listen, Rush, you've got uh, Quizmaster master Rhys Bayliss, who's been, we, we do the rogue mystery players quiz
2: at the end of every episode and it, yeah. uh, it became quite the mammoth, the mammoth um, duel between me and James for most of the season. Jonesy pipped me on what would have been the last day of the Premier League season a couple of weeks ago. We keep it going now just because like you say, it's just another way of uh, let the fans know about old rogue players that people have completely forgotten about the uh we've got one coming up at the end of the episode tonight so fans will stay tuned for that but Quizmaster reese is on tonight i'm booked in for the 24th of june to run through my hammers 11 yeah. with you as well so for
0: the fans who are listening who, who want to go and check out your content if they haven't already where can they find you it's uh i mean my, my, my twitter handle is dj Rossy b um but you can youtube is youtube.com slash my hammers 11 um and yes yeah, see, yeah check it out guys and obviously share you know like and uh, appreciate and humbled by it well by the all the support and love we've had for the channel so it's uh, it's good fun great stuff great stuff well that was uh, russ budden thanks very much
2: for joining us some positive thoughts on how the season's going to look and uh, yeah a, a contact book that's becoming the envy of most west ham fans russ thanks very much and stay with us for the opposition view from sam from wall 77 podcast next You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh. Tom Edwards and James Jones and we were lucky to be joined by London Stadium DJ Russ Budden just now with some surprising optimism about West Ham's chances for the rest of the season and now we're lucky as promised to be joined by Sam from the Wolves 77 podcast and Sam is in the enviable position of supporting a team who are actually good at football and following <laughs> through on the, the pre-season ambition that their uh, their fans were full of. Sam what does that feel like? Fantastic yeah um, I mean look We're not used to it, so we're getting more used to it
1: as time goes on. And, you know, COVID obviously wasn't a good time for it to come along, but especially in the realms of football and for Wolves, it was an especially bad one. Um, We were enjoying our football, playing some decent stuff, although we were a bit gutted that the last game that we played was a dour nil-nil against Brighton at Molyneux. So um, I'm sure we'll see a little bit of a difference when we play West Ham, but we were looking forward to it, so it's a shame it was taken away from us.
3: Sam, you, you mentioned there that the, the breaking football came at a bit of a wrong time for for Wolves and, you know, another club sort of in and around where you are in the Premier League table. Does that sort of fill you a little bit of worry going into this, uh, you know, they're cramming all these fixtures in um, to the space of, what, eight weeks or whatever it is? Um, and with, you know, a chance of potentially finishing in, the, uh, in at least the top six, potentially in the top four, you know, depending on on the form of other clubs in and around you. Did, are you worried about how it might go, given there's going to be no fans so long since they last played? Um, is it a worry? I think we we
1: did start this season quite slowly, but we'd already played quite a few games already. And I think when coronavirus hit, we'd played something like close to 50 games um, this season, obviously starting back in July with the Europa League against Crusaders. I think it was the 21st of July. So it had been a long season up until that point. Uh, in March, and I think that side was a slow burner to be honest, and I think when we look at players like Treori who had started the season slowly and and actually started in that right wing back position rather than that one that everybody um sees him in tearing up that left back at the at the well, let's say at the moment but when we were last playing, so it would be nice to hit the ground running. I think the five substitutes thing will will possibly help, although Nuno works with a nineteen man squad regardless of who's in it. So I'm not really sure who those five substitutes would be, to be honest, because he only ever rotates similar players and, and, and works with that small group. So if we can hit the ground running and people, players like Traore and, and, and players that have always been um, sort of true to the form in Jimenez, also a bit of a break for Jota, uh, that front three can be absolutely lethal in the Premier League. And, and I think if they're on their game, then we shouldn't have any problems, to be honest. Um, all the players seemed to be fit. Um, there was a little bit of angst for Traore in his shoulder. A lot of, a lot of players were targeting uh, his shoulder, um, sort of the back end in March. So there were times when the club was saying that they wanted to, him to have an operation. He was going to need to be off for eight weeks. And I think if they knew how long the lockdown was going to go, they probably would have put him in for that operation, but they haven't done as yet. Um, but Wolves did release a video of him in training yesterday and he looked absolutely brilliant. And it just instantly put on a smile on everybody's face to see him doing what he does to to defenders in the Premier League to his own defence. Um, but do you know what? We're just looking forward to there being some form of football back. Obviously, we'll be three minutes into the game against West Ham and a VAR decision will go back our way and we'll be calling for lockdown again. But uh, we'll see what happens.
4: Sam, you mentioned the, the amount of games you have played. You've played, what is it, 50 games? You said you obviously got the potential of Europa League coming back. Is there a worry that you, you seems like you've never had injuries under Nuno, or even in the championship, that you've rarely had an injury, which has been longer than a couple months or a month here and there? Do you think there's ever a chance that if one of your main players or Jimenez, say, gets injured, that there could be a bit of a dip in form for you guys? I think if you take... a one of your best players out of any side, you're going
1: to see a dip in form. But what we have been lucky with is, as you quite rightly say, is injuries or lack of them. And a lot of um, time and effort and money has been put into the medical side at Wolves. So the medical team there is second to none and every bit of analytics that you can do is done. And I think it's because Nuno likes to work with those smaller squads. You can't afford to have injuries. The one injury that we did have where... Uh, we had a player out for an extended period of time with Willy Bolly when he broke his ankle and, and he was back after about five or six weeks, I think, um, or maybe less than that from, from memory. But you're right, we don't get injuries. And I think there's a reason in the way that they train uh, and the way that they set up for games is that we just don't have them. And we, we were lucky in that championship mm-hmm. season. We didn't have a single injury either. And it just makes such a difference when your key players are fit and raring to go. And I think it's also because he just doesn't rush players back either. So just just because we do work with a smaller squad is that players do, A, have to win their place back. They don't just go back in on merit. We saw it with Traore with his shoulder, is that he was dropped for a few games when he wasn't quite right. Jimenez as well was the same when he was playing Europa League games week in, week out. Um, So, you know, it's about man management. It's about managing your players properly. All these things that are... You know, we, we want our clubs to do picking players on form and that sort of thing. But yeah, I think you make your own luck with injuries and it, it seems to be paying off because it's been sort of two and a half years of, of not having to really put up one apart from Willie Bolly, which I believe he trod
2: on a ball. I think, Sam, you, you say it all quite as if it's quite simple and straightforward there. And as fans, it's very simple, do it. Well, It's very simple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we all do it a lot all the time. But you, Wolves, really have genuinely this season, especially with the Europa League, they've cracked a enigmatic problem that football teams have had, especially with the Thursday, Sunday, Europa League football for for seasons upon seasons now. And like you say, you know, it's how you make your own luck and, and it's, it's how we prepare. But whatever Nuno's doing, uh, other than his completely remiss attitude towards any media duties, whatever he's doing behind closed doors when he's not being asked questions about what he's doing or how he, he, you know, this alchemic blend that he's got going on, it's not just something that's, that's easy for everyone. It might be easy for everyone to see, but it's not just an easy thing that he's managed to achieve this season because Wolves are the envy of lots of teams, and I've, I've, I've watched you loads this season. Certainly, covered a few of your Europa League games as well. I think it was the Espanyol game at Molyneux, mm-hmm. it was just devastating stuff. And I was sitting there, just so jealous, just thinking Wolves are you know as big of a club as as West Ham are. Same sort of fans, obviously, probably less now. Well, obviously, less now we're in the London Stadium, but when we we're up to Park before, similar sort of club, passionate fan base, a great, like, great stadium to go and watch. Always a good atmosphere. All those boxes ticked. But what you're doing now is generally the envy of a lot of football teams. Yeah, and
1: I think it it comes with the pedigree of the players that we have at the club. And they were brought in in quality and quantity at the same time as as Nuno as well. And they all bought into the um, philosophy straight away. And it all just sort of clicked together. You know, a lot of other teams will highlight the links to George Mendes. And I think it's mostly through jealousy because it is in any walk of life who you know rather than what you know. And when you can bring in the calibre of Ruben Neves or Diogo Jota or Willy Bolly to a championship club and get them playing week in, week out because it's difficult enough. We saw before when we had players that weren't as good, sort of like Kevin Doyle, Roger Johnson's, back when we got relegated uh, under Terry Connor back in 2012, is that getting egos to play in the championship is very, very difficult. And you you do have to sell the dream to them. And I think if everyone buys into that, of which they did, one promotion, uh, get into the Europa League, and then all of a sudden you, you're sort of on that upward trend and there's no curve to flatten, thankfully, yeah, in this situation. So... Long may it continue, and I think as long as people keep buying into that philosophy and coming in and playing for the manager, which is what they're doing at the moment, I, I don't see, you know, it's a, where where this will end. And you know, I think I think top four is is definitely on for us this season. I know we at the beginning of the season we were joking about having Chelsea at Stamford Bridge last game of this season and going <laughs> that could be, potentially be a fight for the top four. And I think a lot of fans, me included, see it as exactly that. But everyone's singing, singing off the same hymn sheet. Everyone's loving the football. Not that there aren't times where those Sunday Thursday fixtures—I mean, the amount of Sunday games that we've had that have just been awful to watch—is has never been more true. But we have we, nine times out of ten, we haven't actually lost those games. They've just been sort of mm. like down draws, and it's sort of papered over the cracks a little bit. Because it would be nice to have more Saturday three o'clock kickoffs, but that just doesn't really happen anymore. But you know, it had, had seemed a bit leggy sometimes.
2: Sam, you'll have to sorry. You'll have to forgive us all if we all dozed off. Then I think we're all chilled. Had chills down our spines from the mention of Roger Johnson. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. like the worst defender I think I've ever seen, but came with the biggest hope. I was over the moon when we signed him from Birmingham City because I thought he was a good defender, but it turns out it was Scott Dan. And we did exactly the same before when we bought Leon Clark from Coventry. We thought we've got the main striker from Coventry here, but it was actually Callum Wilson uh, who was banging in the goals and doing all the work, which uh,
3: Bournemouth made use of. So uh, yeah, we're not the first. It won't be the first, and it's definitely not the last. So I'm looking ahead to this weekend. Um, there's a lot of question marks for for everyone surrounding um, what what could happen. Uh, Wolves have, have no um, ever since you guys come out have made easy work of West Ham. I think we actually scored a goal against you since you were promoted. Um, which uh, from our point of view is terrible. Um, It seems to be always promoting clubs end up being our bogey team, Brighton are another one. I think we've beaten them since they come up. Or existing Um,
2: Premier League clubs, James.
3: True, true. true.
2: But every now and then, every now and then
3: we might score against one of them. But (laughs) for some reason, Wolves, we just still can't score. But, I mean, I don't know about you, Will, but for me, I see this as as the perfect opportunity to to maybe end that run of no goals against Wolves. I was just wondering, Sam, whether what you think of or how you think the game's going to go, particularly in a stadium with no fans. um, And, you know, we've seen over in Germany, home advantage no longer exists. I think that's a a really high percentage of away wins. Um, so do you see it, you know, it's that transferring over to the Premier League or do you think West Ham have actually got a chance without their negative fans in the London Stadium? It's funny you say that because the one thing that we've done all season is concede first. So
1: there have been very, very few games and I think you can probably count on one hand how many times that that's happened where, we, where we've gone ahead in games. But we always seem to give teams a 1-0 head start and then have to come back um but obviously sam, west ham might be the exception to
2: proof rule <laughs> no 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 but sam before you sorry before you go on on that west ham and i'm um, i don't think it changed before lockdown but certainly leading up to the last game or two west ham had uh, had thrown away the most points out of anyone in the league from winning positions so our thing is to go ahead uh, very regularly and then go on to lose we have honestly done it so many times this season we were top of the league from points thrown away from winning positions so the stat you just said as well just screams uh, West Ham one new up after 15 minutes with Haller and then everyone head in hands by 75 minutes when Trey Rose two.
1: That is exactly, that's exactly the way I see it going to be honest because yeah and, and there's nothing more frustrating at the time but obviously it's the result that matters but it's something that you definitely want to fix because you know if you're giving teams a one goal head start it's you know, you're on the back foot constantly. It does suit our style a little bit because we're a hugely counter-attacking team. Um, but it would be nice to sort of have easy wins, easy draws. But, you know, it, it makes it more exciting, I suppose. But um, I think I think the game at the the weekend is, is just going to be a very, very strange one. It might have a little bit of a pre-season feel about it. Um, I don't know how the f- players actually feel about playing um, because no one's really asked them. They've just tested them. Um, and I, I just think it's just going to be a very, very strange, with, with no atmosphere. Because Was it Fulham that were testing out crowd noises at? Craven Cottage
2: this week. Uh, I, I think they decided against that in the end, because even with fans at Craven Cottage, they don't have any fan noise. So no, I think... no, exactly.
1: It's like Birmingham. <laughs> They've
2: been socially distanced there for years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, looking ahead, obviously, I think I, I, it might just be more hope rather than any sort of logical judgment that perhaps, certainly as, as far as West Ham go, I think playing in front of no fans especially at home, might actually do them a favour because, like James mentioned, there, there's less of that intense pressure and any mistakes after 10, 5, 10, 15 minutes are getting hounded on. I think without that, I think we might actually improve on that front. However, I do think, no fans, it becomes more of a pure football sort of thing. So you haven't got strikers hounding down defenders because the fans are urging them on. It becomes more like a pure football And then I think that's also West Ham might struggle because of that. Because Wolves are an outstanding side, as we've seen this season. You've gone and done it in so many different environments, home and away in Europe. And and home and away in London, by the way. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's enough stats, thanks, that tell us that (laughs) we're definitely going to (laughs) lose. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think um, that that's what I'm sort of hoping for West Ham generally, but I, I am a little bit concerned on, on Saturday. I certainly would be, be quite pleased with a draw just based on where you are in the league table. Tom, just very too quickly, I know you just dipped out then. We were just talking to Sam about the effect of, of no fans. What's your, you know, what, what are you thinking ahead of the game on, on Saturday? Do you think no fans will play into our, our favour as West Ham?
4: I mean... I think it will actually relieve a bit of the pressure. I feel like the players feel it at home a lot more. This season, I think it's been quite evident at times that some of our players who who are, who are top players on their day have felt a little bit under pressure. Anderson, what is it, one goal this season, couple of assists? He's not really impacted the team the way he did last year and the way your player calibre should do. Um, and I think, I think maybe a few of our mentally weaker players, shall we say, or players who have struggled to really make their mark On our team this season maybe they will step up so I think I don't think it's going to hinder us to be honest it's not like we ever have Olympic Stadium truly bouncing and truly truly pushing the team on as that 12th man away from home when it's going our favor we are but Olympic Stadium more often than not the overriding atmosphere is a sense of negativity or apprehension so I'm I'm quietly happy in a way that I, I don't think it affects us, I don't think it's going to affect us more than it is. Princess Molyneux, I, I was there when we played you, and it was bouncing, absolutely bouncing. And I don't think we have that. Um, we we don't have that Olympic Stadium unless it's a Tottenham and we're we're ending their uh, title hopes or whatever. We really, really have that.
3: Sam, uh, before we before we wrap up, mate, I'm just interested to to hear where you think Wolves are going to finish this season. I know you mentioned earlier that you felt like top four was a real possibility, but. um no, where, where do you think you're going to finish? Well, my heart says top four, obviously.
1: And <laughs> my head says top, I, I think fifth. I, I think that would be, I would put that down as a success. I think we have to qualify for Europe, um, depending on what happens with Manchester city and, um, their European exploits, whether they'll be playing, obviously it opens up an extra place. Um, but I think yeah we've had the taste of european football um we want it again and i think y- you have to keep building on these things it's 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 one thing getting there but it it's the next level to stay there and i think it's on everybody's agenda uh, right through the hierarchy of the club to to play in the champions league it's all part of that 10 year plan at the moment we're 2 years ahead of of where we uh, should be so we we've we've done it quicker i think they gave uh, two years to get promoted from the championship and then uh, I think it was two or three seasons to get in the Europa League so the fact they've done it so quickly is um, is great. Uh, the investment is there um, when the transfer window opens and I don't think they'll sell any players. I think that will help as if we do qualify for the Champions League, um, pulling in the talent. Um, you need to be playing in the top competitions and, and all of a sudden it sort of opens a door to all these other places. So, um, Hart is definitely saying fourth um, but I would rip your hand off at
2: fifth all day. Excellent. Sam, I, th- I think that's enough from you. We're getting a little bit envious listening to you, how a club has got a 10-year plan when ours has barely got a 10-week plan. And <laughs> the fact that it's been... 10 minutes. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the, the, the fact that it's yeah. been executed quicker and you're on, on course for European football, which is what we promised. And, I you'd be for us, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, and another thing you did, but in fact, it's really actually winding me up having you on, Saying another thing you did is rather than uproot from Molyneux and move everywhere you just extended the smallest stand and made it an even more impressive state than it already was so I don't think we'll be having you on again Sam but as it's, uh, <laughs> just to say goodbye for the for the very last time just give us a quick score prediction before you let us go
1: uh, I, I'm going to say that you're you going to score a goal I think we will concede first but I'm going to go 3-1 Wolves
2: Excellent stuff. Well, I don't think there'll be too many people arguing with you at this end when we do our own predictions later on. But Sam from the Wolves 77 podcast, thanks for coming on again. And uh, we we'll look forward to speaking to you next time, at this time next season probably.
1: Thank you, guys. I feel better already. So uh, thanks.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So that was Sam there from the Wolf 77 podcast with um, not exactly... Looking good for West Ham, if if Sam is anything to go by. But stick with us because we have the score predictions from Tom and James and another Rogue Mystery Players quiz next. You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. And as we approach our last segment, we've had a busy show today. Sam from the Wolf 77 podcast then just telling us how certain he is that his team are going to keep Nuno Espirito Santo's excellent record in London going and thrash the Hammers 3-1 at London Stadium despite there being no fans. The boys, I think, unfortunately, probably share that view and we'll touch on that in a minute. We've also had Russ Budden, London Stadium DJ and the face of My Hammers 11 on YouTube. It's been a packed show so far, but the bit that everyone likes to wait for right at the end is the Rogue Mystery Players quiz. We, of course, had the league table end with James's victory over me a couple of weeks ago. We've kept it on in this friendly format as we've still got a load of random players left that haven't been answered so
4: far this season.
2: So, Tom, on your debut last week, you actually got the victory.
4: Yeah. I'm pretty pleased with that. Oh, mate, delighted. I, like I said, it was a lot. It's a lot harder in this seat than it is uh, laughing at you two when I was in the radio station. But um, no, no, I was happy to get off the mark. But he did the Rufus Brevet, Like I said, it equally embarrassed me. Said he was from uh, Dublin, <laughs>
2: the Irish centre back Rufus Brevet. Yeah, yeah that'll James. be it.
4: So it wasn't a good day <laughs> in the end.
2: James, you were uh, you you were quick to tell everyone that you know it doesn't matter anymore. It's very pre season. You weren't bothered. Your face told a different story. Are you uh, you feeling? Going to take it a bit more seriously this week.
3: Yeah, I mean, I always take it seriously, but um, at the same time, just like pre in in actual football, the results don't really matter. It's all about the um, you know, the fitness, um, and you know, get getting back up to speed with things. And um, I think you know, after a couple of weeks' break, I was a little bit rusty last week, but um, you know, these friendlies are only are only going to serve me well as we sort of push on into whatever the next task is going to be against you, Will. So. Um, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm just using it as very, very productive pre-season training.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, same format as ever, three players, five clues. The clues get gradually easier in the hope that one of the boys can guess before the end of the five. It's best of three. The person, whoever gets two players or even the three, takes the win for the week. So without further ado, let's have player number one, clue number one. This player scored the only goal of his career on his very last game before retirement for AGOVV Apple Dawn in
4: 2007. <laughs> Give over. You get points
2: for that, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> <And> I, was... <laughs> I started with a bit of an easy clue there. i surprised you haven't got it, but clue number two. This six foot three inch star spent 80 years at Old Trafford before moving to West Ham in 2002. nothing from the lads. Clue number three. The Dutchman never made an appearance for West Ham and left for RKC Walwick after just one season. Six foot three star. Dutchman. Six foot three star Dutchman spent eight years at Old Trafford before moving to West Ham in 2002. But no recaps just yet. Clue number four. Having retired, age 44. He almost immediately became goalkeeper coach at Sunderland, where he stayed for two years.
3: Is it van der Haal?
2: It is Raymond van der Haal. Jonesy, one minute. Well in.
3: Well in. <laughs> the goal clue threw us off there, didn't it? Yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh,
2: I, I thought, yeah. I am surprised you didn't know that you scored for A. G. O. V. V. OVV, Apple Dawn in 2007, though. I thought you were quite all over there two games. To I do remember play. the other
4: scorers in the match, just not him, mate. <laughs>
2: Yeah, understudy to Clue number five was he was understudy to David James at West Ham. and fulfilled the same role behind Peter Schmeichel, Fabian Barthez and Roy Carroll at United. I seem to remember him playing for West Ham, but it must have just been him watching him warm up from my old seat at the East End. But James Jones, 1-0, clue number one, player number one, one 1-0 to James. So, player number two. This player's middle name is Gerald (laughs) No guesses. (laughs) Clue number two. This player was nicknamed Rhino at Everton, where he won the FA Cup before leaving to join West Ham in 1997. Clue number three. This This player scored a famous goal on the last day of the season in the Great Escape campaign. David Unsworth. It is David Unsworth. Tom Edwards makes it 1 0. That's a
3: great (laughs) shot. His penalty against Sheffield United.
4: Yeah, absolutely. It was on TV for some reason about a few weeks ago. That's it. Yeah,
2: yeah. Same day where Tevez was ripping Man United to bits at Old Trafford. And uh, yeah, he just left. Uh, Sheffield United the season before playing for Wigan and then sent them down excellent yeah he had the one England cap and the powerful centre half went on to play for Villa another spell at Everton uh, Sheffield United and Wigan with the final clues so it's one all all comes down to this very last player so without any further delay let's get straight into it this is player number three Tom Edwards one James Jones one clue number one this left-footed 40 year old has two middle names Richard and Luke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm disappointed that none of you are getting them on these middle name clues. Uh, no. Clue number two. The six foot one inch Irishman is now a football agent.
4: What did you say? Centre heart? Did you say his position then, sorry? No,
2: nope, I haven't no. said
4: anything about that yet.
2: Number Clue number three. This two cap Irish international played just three times in all competitions for West Ham after his £475,000 transfer from Stoke in 2005. Clue number four. Predominantly a left-back or a centre-back, West Ham made £100,000 profit on him when we sold him to Sunderland just a year later.
3: Is it Faye?
2: It's not Abdullah Faye, no. Clue number five. Oh, he's not Irish, is
3: he?
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh I think
2: he, he's about as Irish as Rufus Brevett, <laughs> I think. <laughs>
3: yeah. What am I Goodness doing? Goodness me. Oh, uh, clue number five.
2: While playing for Leicester in 2007, this player had a cardiac arrest in the changing rooms at Nottingham Ooh. Forest during a League Cup tie. Clive the Clark. Game. It is Clive Clark. Tom Edwards, two wins from two, makes it 2-1 after going one nil behind. Needed it. James Jones, still wondering why he never saw Abdelife Fire play for Ireland, alongside (laughs) Rufus Brevett.
3: It's my turn to get me me Irish mixed up. Yeah,
4: exactly.
3: It's easily done, I'll tell you that, much. What's going on?
2: at least last week Tom claimed the win but yeah Tom Edwards two wins from two one nil down it looked like Jonesy had finally come back into the form that saw him win during the main run of the season against me what are your thoughts?
4: Honestly I, I totally understand Brevit threw me off last week and if you fay <laughs> has got him there it sent him down a river of lies and then I've just pounced mate <laughs> <laughs> really cool.
2: Jonesy I mean now now it's all settled down a bit obviously the defeat Probably is a hard one to take, but I imagine you'll get a little bit more flack for the Fi being Irish. Guess you want to talk us through the thought process there a little bit.
3: <laughs> so the thought process was was more uh, along the, the Stoke route than the Irish route. Um, I completely forgot for a split second that, that the player was Irish, and um, yeah, I've 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 pretty much followed in Tom's footsteps there. Um, now there two two friendlies in pre-season deep. No wins. This is the moment where the fans start panicking on Twitter. Um, Gary, uh, this, is, this is getting ridiculous. You need to get some new signings in. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's getting a little bit worrying now for me. I, I didn't think we'd start pre-season up with two defeats.
2: Absolutely not. I've just checked my phone and I've had someone from the Senegalese FA on uh, suggesting why they handed Abdullah Fire 36 international caps when, in fact, he was Irish. So, I think there's an investigation going on over in Africa at the moment, based on that one, Jonesy. But, Tom, two from two, you must be very pleased. We'll keep on with the Rogue Mystery Players quiz until at least the end of the proper Premier League season, if we've got it now. But let's move on, back to football. We've had Sam on from the Wolves podcast earlier, not filling us with hope tom what do you what do you think about about the more so the rest of the season We've we've discussed um, mm. the, the game on Saturday the rest of the season for the hammers it it, it is serious still we are in relegation yeah. trouble we're six deep but we're on the same amount of points as the two teams below us so it really really could go either way. how are you feeling about it all
4: I'm um, I mean, the next few weeks, I don't want to be pessimistic, next few weeks, I think we, we all can agree that they're, they're pretty tough games and we get anything from these three, um, we'd be pretty happy, to be honest. So even one win in, two losses, we take it. Um, so I think that the next three weeks, so I, I, I'd i be surprised if we pick up too many points, but I'm actually quietly confident for the rest of it, to be honest. I think Moyes has had the chance to do a pre-season he didn't have the chance to do when he came in in January or whatever it was. Um, so he's had a little bit more time with the players uh, we've got talented players in there we've got goal scorers in there we've got players who can win games for us so I'm actually quietly confident but you're, you're so right is anyone's game down there one or two wins here and there and it can all look so different so um, we've just got to pick up the points really and we've got to do it quickly so we do have to find a way to to change our fortunes around and I think winning at Wolves I'm confident for Wolves I'm confident we can give them a bit of trouble to be honest
2: Jonesy, Wolves, Tottenham, Chelsea, Newcastle, Burnley, Norwich, Watford, Man United, Aston Villa. Those are our remaining games. Tom quietly confident after the first three, but do you share his sentiments or are you a little bit more concerned?
3: No, oh, I'm, I'm confident after those first three. I, th- I think I think the fixture list uh, looks a lot more difficult than what it actually is. Um, you know, a lot's been made of behind closed doors, and I really think that's gonna that's gonna play an important role. Um, You know, we've seen it, as I keep saying, we've seen it over in Germany. Um, I know the likes of Bayern uh, have still won matches, but uh, the likes of Dortmund have struggled at times. Uh, Although they started pretty well, they've begun to struggle a little bit. Um, So, I think that, you know, if we can maybe nab one or, you know, a couple of good results in those first three games, that sets us up nicely going into that that a lot more attractive-looking runner fixtures um, to uh, to the end of the season, um, I'm I've been quite quite pleased about the way that those two friendlies have gone. As I said earlier at the beginning of the show, the fact that I had scored two is is for me is the big story. Um, hopefully, Moyes has got him got him playing, got the players playing to his strengths. Um, so yeah, if we can get a good result against Wolves on on Saturday, then that that gives us all all that confidence that we need going into Spurs and and Chelsea and then, and then moving forward. I think Spurs is not going to be the same derby that we're ever used to. Um, so that's going to be an interesting one. But um, I, I, think, I think a draw against Wolves at the weekend will be a pretty good result.
2: I, I mean, I certainly agree with you on that front. Whether or not we'll be able to pick one up or not is, is another story. I do agree. I think the, the fact that Moyes has had a little bit of time, rather than just being thrown in the deep end and fighting fire straight away, which he obviously was, everyone's talked quite a lot about how oh, he needs to be given another chance. And if nothing else, it's just enabled him to go and take a big, deep breath, has not it? And maybe do some thinking about, like you say, whether it is Haller or how to work to Haller's strengths or just generally how to get the squad playing. I do. That does give me a little bit of hope. I, I can't see us getting anything against Wolves. I think with Harry Kane back for Tottenham, I think that's the other thing you've got to remember as well with these, you know, when we've got Chelsea after that with the five subs for all and all that sort of thing, that's going to play into the hands of people with bigger squads who've got impact players to come off the bench. I don't particularly think we've got that really. I'd, obviously we don't know what, what sort of Manuel Lanzini is going to come back from, from this, but really we've got our first 11 and then that's about it. I, I'm not, I'm not super confident. I think Watford were playing some really good stuff before lockdown. I think it's going to be the same for them. I'm, I think they'll do well. All all of the teams really, and you you could even see Norwich just squeaking out. They only need a couple of wins while we get a couple. If we get a couple of defeats or three defeats, which is genuinely feasible at those first three games, you could see you could see Norwich level on points for us. We could be near the bottom and. Whilst I don't like to be the merchant of doom before a ball has even been kicked, because there is obviously the the chance that no one's really talking about that we could rock it up the table, but we are considerably adrift. Newcastle we've got there in 13th, who are on 35 points. I mean that's a that's a fairly big gulf given the games we've got. I think all you've got to hope is that we're still not we're not doomed. If we go right down the table, we're 19th or 18th after these games if if we're still out the relegation zone after these first three that we've got I think we might be safe but Spurs the weekend after we'll, we'll do that in more detail next week are you uh, you reckon any chance there?
3: So there's always a chance when we go to Tottenham these days isn't it? Um, yeah I, I, I don't know it's um, I think we'll be able, we'll know a little bit more after after this weekend
2: After this week, absolutely huge, absolutely huge. Well, next week, we'll bring you some actual reaction to some actual football again, which we're obviously all looking forward to. If the result is, as Sam from the Wall 77 podcast said to us earlier on, then perhaps we won't be looking forward to it quite as much after all. We'll have the Spurs opposition view, hopefully another esteemed guest and obviously another quiz. One thing we want to remind everyone to do before we leave today is to vote for us in the final of the Football Content Awards. We're, we've managed to get there. Thanks to all you lot for voting in the first round in the category of Bed Best Podcast. So, Jonesy, uh, fans can go to our Twitter and, I believe, Instagram to vote for us.
3: Yeah, you can go to our Twitter. We've we've got a link there. We might tweet it again, actually. I think the cut-off's Thursday at 5 o'clock. Um, so we'll tweet that the link to you can vote for us uh, on on Football Content Awards website. And you can also vote for us on Twitter just by saying I'm voting for um, we are West Ham the Football Content Awards as best podcast. Again, we'll tweet that so you can just copy and paste it. Um, and then you can go on Instagram, finds the the picture of best podcast, and then just comment and tag us tag our Instagram at we are underscore or is it at West Ham at it's we, are we are West Ham, West Ham
4: underscore pod. pod. Yeah. Um,
3: gosh, no, that should know. that's a nice, terrible. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, just tag us underneath there as well. And you can do all three. Um, once you vote on one, doesn't mean you say you can't vote on the other. So if you can do all three, that's three votes for us. Um, so we really appreciate um, everyone's help in that. And um, hopefully we can go to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and, and, and bring a trophy home
2: another West Ham win at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium it's been a great week this week we've had Sam from the Wolves 77 podcast on, we've had London Stadium DJ Russ Budden, we've had Tom Edwards making it two wins from two on the Rogue Mystery Players quiz and we've got some actual football to look forward to, join us again next week where we'll give you some look back on the Wolves game, whatever that might look like Uh, Hopefully I'll have some bit more exciting news for you rather than the stadium requisition. And we'll see if Sebastian Haller can carry on his form through these pre-season friendlies into the real-life Premier League and West Ham can stay up. Thanks again for joining us. Up the hammers and we'll see you next week. Hello there, I'm Tony Gale and you are listening to We Are
3: West Ham Podcast.